Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the fearful attachment style, and this is when we have high anxiety and high avoidance. High anxiety, low intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was reading something this week um, about what that means, and I there was a definition I liked where we talk about high anxiety um, is that negative model of self, right? So if we have high anxiety, it's that we're worried that we're not good enough, and that's not enough for us. And when we have low intimacy, it's because we have a negative model of others, meaning that we don't trust that other people can show up for us. And so I found that really helpful just as kind of like a, how do I acknowledge where I am? And how do I move those things? Because we're trying to move into the healthiest attachment style for us, building our trust with ourselves. And it is a healthy way to do about that, to go about that. And then we can also build healthy attachments with people who are safe, which is something we've talked about before. I know we made a mistake at the end of the last episode, and Taylor is going to tell you about our imperfections. Uh, At the end of the anxious attachment episode, we talked about how sometimes someone with an anxious attachment will uh, try to perform loyalty tests or try to catch people in a lie and things like that. That's more of a fearful attachment style, so... We just want to correct that anytime we make a mistake or if you catch a mistake listening to us, please let us know. We'd be happy to correct it. Everyone, all people kind of have the base fear of being rejected or abandoned if people really got to know us. Um, Someone with a fearful attachment style has this in spades. They have it to the nines. And so they carry around more anxiety than the average population. And so they really don't let people get to know them to the extreme. Mm -hmm. Now, some people might have a fearful attachment style or they might know someone with a fearful attachment style that's spilling their guts in the first two minutes of knowing someone. And that is not intimacy. That's faux intimacy. That's, hey, here's my life story. And so uh, you better reject me now and not after I get to know you because that's going to hurt more. So like, for example, you see that a lot like as the only one still in the dating world in this group. Um, I see it all the time, but you see it like on, I'll be on some, I do occasionally go online for dating things. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor was gagging in the background. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but you'll see on people's profile, like they will literally write out their trauma in the moment. And that's less so much about like trying to like, you think, let people know potential partner wise of like, Hey, if you want to date me, I'm just letting you know what's going on. And I think it's more of like a, if I don't scare you off now, then, you know, if then it doesn't have to happen later. Right. And so it's, you often see that too, with like meeting new people, you'll be able to pick those people out in a room probably of if you're at a party and someone the first time they meet you starts talking about how their dad's recent divorce led to him being a drug addict and things like that or things like that and so it's just really it's interesting because let me just put this in there i feel like nowadays we're starting to become better but it used to be almost this like badge of like how vulnerable you are. If you can tell all of your intimate info, we're going to speed run my trauma. Seriously. And then people, 
I feel like on social media, especially TikTok, I'm not even on TikTok, but as someone who's on Instagram and sees it a week later, and then I can cringe <laughs> later. But I see people who they post this trauma response or these like this kind of attachment style with their audience. And other people label it as like brave or they label it as, and it's not that you should shame that person, but it's, it's good to notice this is coming from this area and not so much trying to actually make true intimacy with someone in the audience. Right. I think a good point about that is that when we're posting things for other people to prove that they either are going to accept us or are not going to accept us, that that's a good sign that we are in anxiety about ourselves when we're trying to prove that they're bad right and this is what taylor was just talking about which is catching people it's like look if i post that i have experienced this trauma people will reject me that's a fearful that's a fearful attachment right and so some of some of the things we need to understand is that fearful attachment comes from usually close caregivers not meeting our needs and realizing that we couldn't get our needs met and the people that were supposed to meet them didn't do their job. From having very unpredictable caregivers, you didn't know when they would be there and if they show up, how would they be? Mm-hmm. Having the kind of caregiver that you can tell their mood based on how they open the door getting home. Yeah, so often this comes when we have um, caregivers who are addicts, obviously, um, but even The other thing that you will see it is very emotionally needy caregivers. So when children are parentified and expect to manage mom or dad's emotions for them, that's a big, that's a big uh, factor in this fearful avoidant is, is that you become in charge of the situation and so that you'll take care of it and then you'll pull away from everybody because they want too much from you. Somewhere between 5 to 12% of the population has a fearful attachment style. Of the entire population, 4% of people, so a good chunk, like a third of people with a fearful attachment style potentially, have borderline personality disorder, um, and that presents with a fearful attachment style. So lots of people will be misdiagnosed with borderline personality disorder simply because they have this come here, go away, why are you leaving, come back kind of uh, pattern in relationships. There, and because of that, because of the push and pull in relationships, it, it leads to a breakdown of the trust and of the ability then to predict. And it reminds me of one of my favorite um people that we all worked with. I'm going to give a shout out to Lorna here. Lorna used to teach me Mm -hmm. that whenever we're doing trauma-informed care, we need rhythm, pattern, and repeated. So when people are fearful, it's because there wasn't a rhythm in their home, there wasn't a pattern they could trust, and it wasn't repeatable and or repeated. Lorna's very consistent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think what I learned from from those three words is, is that when we're trying to build trust and attachment that we need to instead of try a million different things that have a big response that we need to consistently show up in a way that they can start to recognize who we are and trust who we are and so it's important that we're not looking for their response but we're focusing on what we're doing as we show up in other people's lives when we see that they have a fearful attachment style the most important thing to do when someone has a fearful attachment style if 
one of your loved ones or a friend has a fearful attachment style is to be transparent and consistent. Um, they're going to, you know, push and pull with you. And it's important that we're just consistent and not say, what is wrong with you? Good night. I, nope, I'm out. Uh, and we're just consistent and say, yep, that's okay. I'm here when you're ready. So that's also where boundaries come into play. Um, because what you're describing is I like Glennon Doyle's Untamed. She talks a lot about this island metaphor, right? Um, if you haven't read Untamed, definitely do so. But it, she talks about this island metaphor where it's saying like, you know, I'm on my island. You can come to me and you're welcome to do that as long as you're like, you know, abiding by the rules of the island, right? Um, if you can't, you don't have to be here. That's totally fine. It's up to you. And so what you're describing with this idea of being consistent, the reason why it works and the reason why you get less of a burnout effect with it is because you're not trying to adjust your way of reacting based off this other person, right? And so when it comes to attachment and this, especially this very disorganized way of of attachment that we're noticing, you, the reason you don't feel as tired is because you are not realigning every minute to base it off of someone else. And so you staying that consistency, it also allows you, not that you don't care, but you're like, hey, if you're not willing if you're not willing to go there, that's fine. You're showing me you're not willing to go there. You're not able to go there. Okay. So I'm not going to try to adjust my island to meet your needs in this way. I'm going to say like, okay, then you go find an island that works better for you, or you go find whatever it is you need, right? Or you do the work you need to, to be able to join me here. And I'm talking especially about like, I'm not talking about like little, you know, relationship things that you really, the two of you should work on, but I'm talking about like, how often you're seeing each other, right? I have some people that come from like a really secure background that come to me in my office. Like my my partner really wants to see me every couple hours, but then if, you know, but then sometimes they push me away and it's this back and forth kind of feeling. And it's like, okay, but if you're coming to them and saying, this is what I'm able to give, right? Not that you're saying like, I'll never give you what you need if I can't fulfill it. But you're looking at it and saying, this is what I'm able to forget, like I'm able to give to this relationship is this going to be good for you? And if they're off the bat saying no, that it's like, okay, then that's what I'm able to give. I can't give any more. I really can't like, this is my cap. So we're talking about with this kind of a relationship, all of them have a thing with boundaries, but especially this type of, um, this type of attachment model, having a boundary with someone and for ourselves is a huge way of being able to work through it and be able to get ourselves to a more secure place in this type of attachment. I like that you brought that up because remember with fearful, they have both a negative image of the relationship and how other people are showing up, but they're also struggling with their own concepts of self. And we can't, we can't rescue those two things. They have to figure out their own concepts of self. So sometimes those boundaries say, hey, I'm going to pull away because right now the island isn't safe for you or, or your island isn't safe for me, the way Haley was talking about. And although a lot of people get afraid of that by realizing, okay, what do I want in my life? What is right for me? What are my boundaries? It can help us find balance with caring and trusting ourselves. And once we care and trust about ourselves, it can create more consistency with caring and trusting other people or at least move to a more neutral versus a negative space with that yeah 
Yeah, everyone with a fearful attachment style has a very low sense of self. They have poor self-worth. And so it goes back to that. If someone really knew what a garbage person I am, they would never stick around. And so they do a great deal of uh, acting or it's going to feel like acting to them to try and throw people off their scent. They're going to do a lot of managing. They're going to try and keep people at arm's length. They might be involved and people at a distance might have a really high opinion of them. People that are really close to them might have a really high opinion of them. But again, it's going to have that high anxiety and low intimacy, and they're not going to let people know what's really going on with them. And then eventually they're going to get burned out from the loneliness, and they're going to snap at how come you don't help me. And people won't have any idea that they'll have needed help. And it's interesting as you bring that up, because one of the things you can do with fearful attachment is to listen to what they're asking, right? Um, and within your own boundaries, decide how you want to respond. But really, it's about having emotional consistency within yourself. So if they're mad today, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to respond to their anger. It means, okay, you can have the space to be mad if you need to be mad. If you need a hug or something, let me know. I'm willing to do so much, but I'm not going to fix it for you. And when I've worked with individuals who've had this attachment style, and I feel like we've seen a lot of those with the more as you go into higher levels of care, you're going to see more of these outlier attachment styles than you would in the general public. But in working with those, being consistent versus being somebody who rescues is the most powerful way to do that because they really, they don't trust when you come in and rescue them and then you're not there all the time because that's considered inconsistent on their minds. And just like we talked about how we don't know how the parent's going to show up in the door, whether you're going to show up happy or sad. The minute you start to be inconsistent, either in too too much positive or too much negative, they start to, you start to reinforce their fear of other people. Some of the fearful attachment style, if it snows, they're worried it's only ever going to snow. And I'm not talking about literal weather. So if there's a bad day in the relationship, that means that the relationship is over. If there is a sunny day, the relationship will only ever be good. And they have trouble seeing the ups and downs as ups and downs. Um, and so they have these very intense highs and very intense lows. It also can lead to a lot of fantasy, both in the positive and negative, right? Fantasy that this relationship is perfect and we're soulmates, or this relationship is the worst and I hate this person and they have to be my enemy for life. So it goes to those really extremes because of that thought process. So it's really important that if you do have someone in your life that's kind of treating you, maybe maybe they're mad because you have boundaries and they feel rejected, that you don't take their boundaries personally. You just focus on holding your own boundaries. Someone with a fearful attachment style often shops between therapists because of um, a perceived rejection or abandonment, whether real or perceived, because uh, maybe they had to reschedule or because they didn't have the preferred time slot available. Um, uh, or maybe they began to work on harder things. So they've often had multiple therapists within a relatively short amount of time. And I think that that's because they are saying, if you can't be consistently uh, neutral, I can't trust you. And part of therapy work is to work on hard things. I think that's also, you see that in their personal life with like friends and things like that. If they're constantly switching up groups, if they constantly have a new, you know, uh, cohort of people around them you might 
notice that and others might see them as like oh they're just friendly but if you're noticing that they're not really leaving the other groups in like good place like they're not leaving them in like a good relationship it's always a burned bridge essentially yeah there's always like if it's someone who's just like you know i i don't know like i'm sure people look at me and be like you're not perfect but i feel like you know when i leave like a friendship or if i'm no longer just talking to someone um i can still reach out to them always right and still kind of start a conversation with them again if i need to later on but there are those people i know who when they no longer are friends with someone they will never talk to them again right they will never you know reach out to them feel like they can they've essentially like burned that bridge they can't go back it again right and the fearful attachment style actually are more likely to hold grudges Mm -hmm. because of that because they're trying to remember and we talked about fear remember we've talked about valid fear and then leaved around the fear or the trust realm that's when we would work with therapists to work through that and and sometimes that means even confronting the fear if it's not a it's not grounded in reality thank you for listening to our podcast you can find us on apple podcast and spotify please feel free to rate subscribe and review and if you want to find us on social media we're on instagram and facebook at fate resilience we would love to hear from you